is today. Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Hello, everybody. Have I had a morning today? I'm two hours behind and even getting started because I first come in, I set everything up, ready to do the uh, the devotional podcast, and all of a sudden it says, hey, this, this app isn't going to work for you that I recorded all on. And it says, you got to log in. So I log in. Now there's like a handful of different logins that I have and a handful of different passwords. And I'm like, which one do I choose? I chose the wrong one. And then it stuck. It was like, you're not getting out. I said, sign out, log out. No, won't let me. Frustrating. I'm on with customer support. They're frustrating me even more. They're like, you don't have any accounts. Yes, I do. I've been using this for a year. And they're like, nope. And so... Finally, I did some investigative work, and I found out I put the wrong username in, and so then I had to go back to support. They had to get into my computer. They had to do it all themselves. Long story short, long frustrating morning. I'm behind, but I got it fixed, and here we are. Woo! I got to get back on track. So the way that I was initially going to start this, outside of that rant there about my frustrating morning so far, was I went home yesterday for lunch, and Lola was watching Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo's great. We all love Scooby-Doo. But I was looking at, I was watching it with her as I was eating, and uh, and I was thinking, what do we know about Scooby-Doo and, and Shaggy? Like, the two besties that they have, Right. They're both hungry at all times, and they eat more than any human or dog could ever eat in the world. Like, they it's uh, they eat an obscene amount of food, right? And number two, they're always afraid. They're afraid of everything. And it's been years and years and years and years um, where they are with the their friends, you know, Fred, Velma, Daphne. And they always get them in situations where there's a monster, a ghoul, or a ghost, or whatever it may be. So, as I was watching, after thinking about how many of these adventures they've been on, my question is, why um, are Scooby and Shaggy still hanging out with Fred, uh, Velma, and uh, Daphne? Because... Almost every episode, they're just, they're going to hang out somewhere. Hey, let's go on a trip. And when they get there, something just happens and bang, we're in a mystery. I would think that after three or four times uh, that that happened, you, you stop hanging out with them. Like if I go on vacation with a group of people and every time we go, uh, I end up, you know, afraid. Like for instance, if I was afraid of heights, which I am, and, and I had a, a crew of friends and every single time I went, with them somewhere, I ended up like on the side of a building or a mountain or skydiving or bungee jumping. You know what? I ain't going to hang out with you anymore. I'm done. Why would I? Because they're my friends, my buddies, my BFFs. 
nah, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into situations with you every single time where I'm afraid for my life. We can still be friends, but we're just going to be Facebook friends. That's where we're going to cut it off. You know, um, speaking of fighting for your life though, um, as you all knew, I was on vacation last week, uh, and I decided me and Gianna, were going to go snorkeling and here's the snorkeling story. Okay. Uh, I've been snorkeling myself all over the Caribbean, the Bahamas, Mexico, Hawaii. I've seen sharks, barracuda, moray eels, a lot of cool stuff. Never afraid. You know, like it, it, I'm into it. It's cool. Um, now, in West Palm Beach, there's this area that has a man-made reef where they have sunk about, they said, 600, 600 tons of rock and uh, structures that they've, they've put under there. Uh, and it's supposedly great snorkeling, it's crystal clear water, and, you know, all that. So we're excited we're going to go. So we go on a Saturday, and I look up online, and it says that there's places right around there to rent snorkel gear. Great. So we get there. Parking was a situation. There's a lot of people, but we got a place. And then come to find out the place I got to go rent the snorkel gear is a mile and a half walk. So whatever. Me and Gianna walk a mile and a half. We rent the gear. The woman was nice. What do you need? She's like, you should probably take a, a diving flag because, you know, lets people know you're out there, other boaters, all this stuff. Sure. Walk a mile and a half back. And uh, we get in the water and we head to the snorkel trail. There's like buoys. Kind of lets you know where things are. Now, I also, I know, I remember, I realized as we're walking and holding the gear, I'm like, Jenna, have you ever snorkeled before? Like, I feel like we should have, but apparently she never had. So I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to tell her what to do, how to put the, you know, like, just like make sure you're breathing out of your mouth, be calm. Um, you'll get water in your snorkel occasionally, you get blow that out, uh, how to keep your masks from getting Fogged up, all that kind of stuff. She's she's a adventure adventurous type, so she's into it. We get in the water, we head out there, and um, not what I would call crystal clear. And uh, and the first time we went out, we saw no underwater reef. We just saw sand, not a fish. And we went the whole length of where the buoys were, and then when we got to the end, we go to turn back, and it's like, uh this current is pulling me out, you know? And so I'm swimming. I notice I'm not getting any far. She's getting farther behind me. So I grab her and I pull her up. And then we, I'm, I can, I have the other buoy, the, the, it's like this giant bobber type of thing with the flag on it. That's also pulling me. So I got two things in my hands. I'm kicking. And we finally realized that we have to go diagonally towards a beach, like a different area to get off because we're getting sucked out into the place where we don't want to go. Dangerous open water type of stuff, right? So we do that. I'm like, man, I'm tired. And I'm like, let's go back. Let's look at the map, all that stuff. So I go, we get all that stuff. I swallow a gallon of salt water. So I'm dying of thirst. Need some water. We get to where Lauren and Lola were. I asked them to go get us water. So then I look at the map. We had missed the snorkel trail. It's actually farther out. Like it was where we were, we're a little closer to, to the land. This is farther out. So second attempt, we go out there and find the underwater stuff and still not super clear, 
but we did see fish. We saw like underwater, a boat that was sunk there and all this stuff. It, it was cool. It was okay. Probably a, a five on the terms of snorkeling and because I've been to some amazing places, right? So we get to the very end and I told her right, when we get to the shipwreck, if we see it, we should probably try turning back then because of the current. Well, man, that current was just sucking us out and I'm just fighting with everything in me. And and I realized this is the first time I've ever snorkeled with someone that I love, that I'm in charge of. So I am not having any fun because I am focused on keeping her safe, keeping her from being sucked out to sea. I'm holding on to her. She is pretty oblivious to that. And she's just looking around at the fish and I'm fighting with everything in me, kicking because I have her in one hand and this, it was, it was a whole thing. And I'm like, we are, and I told her to go up and I took my mask. I'm like, we're not getting anywhere. We're, we're actually going backwards. So we need to keep pushing towards shore. Anyways, we get to the side and she's like, man, and I'm out of breath. She goes, man, you, what are you out of shape? Like I was just looking at the fishies. I was having a good time. I'm like, I am trying to keep you alive. I don't want you to be sucked out to sea and never be seen again. Now, that's probably pretty dramatic. There's boats and stuff out there that I'm sure probably would have helped. But the point was, is like, man, this is a whole different experience when you're with your kids and you're worried about what's going to happen to them. It's like a, it was exhausting. It was exhausting. Which brings me to the scripture, because it kind of all ties in here. So I'm in First Peter 5, 2 through 3, and it says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, this scripture is used in a couple different ways. There's, there's a parenting way they can use it, which I'm going to, and also a pastoral way that we'll get into later. So, but this scripture to me, tells me this. So like, be shepherds of the God's flock that is under your care. My kids. It's under my care. I'm responsible for them. Watching over them because you must, not because you are will, not because you must, but because you are willing, right? So referring to vacations in general, it says watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As parents, we don't have to take them on any vacation, right? We don't have to take our kids on vacation at all. Um, and to be honest, for the most part, uh, they probably don't deserve a vacation. If we're being real honest, do they deserve it? Mm, I don't know. Uh, they ain't paying any bills and they cause more stress than anything else. I'd say that, right? I wouldn't be wrong. Can I get an amen in there? Uh, but we take them because we are willing. We want to. We want to share life experiences with them. We want them to see the world, how different things can be. I mean, I honestly, I don't remember a vacation where everyone has actually gotten along and not gotten into multiple arguments. Um, I mean, I won't say who it was, but one of my girls got angry and said, I didn't even want to come on, come on this trip anyways. It's like, oh, here we go. I mean, and back in 2016, I took vacations off the table for them. They were so bad in Cabo fighting with each other. I mean, but this, you know, I didn't even want to go on this vacation anyways. It's like, okay, here we go. Unbelievable. Check this out. The last day we were there, we went miniature golfing. And if you were a fly on the wall 
were on, on the course, you'd have thought that miniature golf was a punishment for them. Like, we'd had enough and said, like, you know what? We're just, like, I can't even describe the, the reaction to them. Like, if they were fighting, but like, you do it one more time and we're going miniature golf. And that's what it felt like. Oh, you're in real trouble now. Miniature golf. No, miniature golf to me is a fun activity. Something you look forward to. Nope, not my girls. Hole three. Well, it was like, oh, how many holes are left? I'm like, we just started. And, and like every hole, are we almost done? It's hot out. Oh, why do we have to do this? And you know what? After eight holes, we gave up. We are done. And it's like, I'm doing this because I'm willing, not because I have to. Like I said, and, and this, this takes out, you know how much we have to love our kids to do this and love our family to want to go into other situations. Like that, there's a lot there and we're doing this to, to make memories together, but they're like, I don't, I don't want any memories. It's crazy. Now that same scripture, like I said earlier, uh, that I used for parenting is also referred to, uh, as a pastoral job or minister or leader in the church. So let's read it again. First Peter 5, 2 through 3 says, Be shepherds of God's, flo- God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, clearly, if we're talking about pastors and, and the church, no one is holding the gun to our head saying, you will be a pastor and you will lead this congregation. That's, that's not happening. Being a pastor is something you're called to and you're willing to do. And with that being said, we have to be good examples to the flock and, and not lord, lord over um, our congregation power or influence and, and, and use it for dishonest gain. It's pretty pretty standard stuff and I think for the most part most pastors that get into this are good they want to do things the right way follow biblical um, morals and it's good stuff now recently so about six months ago um, there was a documentary that came out on Discovery Plus about Hillsong and uh, I watched it when it first came out and um, it all centered around kind of like the leadership uh, of Hillsong and a few key pastors. And they threw in the, the music as like a way that they're, they're not doing things right. And Now, if you're an outsider, if you're just someone who went to Hillsong and attended on Sundays once a week, whatever, um, it would look like they were following First Peter 5, 2 through 3. But behind the scenes, not so much. Some of the leadership there uh, was not, were not being good examples to the flock. Uh, they were lording over their power and influence over others. They were pursuing dishonest gain, and they were not watching over the flock. Now, that being said, 
this documentary, and by the way, we started watching another documentary on it, which came out on FX. It's a four-part series. I'm about halfway through on that one. But I was telling a couple friends and other pastor friends of mine um, that pretty much every church, I'd say every church has a few disgruntled past members who could make a documentary about the church and make it sound like you are evil and wicked. The church is evil and wicked. All that stuff. So you got to take some of this with a grain of salt. Of course, uh, every church makes mistakes. Every pastor makes mistakes. But the size of the mistakes vary. The consequences vary. And the impact of those mistakes also vary as well. And uh, after watching these these documentaries, I, I don't hate Hillsong. I think they made some glaring wrong decisions. They were major moral failures, and there was, unfortunately, uh, sinful and disappointing act tactics of covering things up. But I also see the good that that church, or those churches, because there's a bunch of them for Hillsong, did to bring people to Christ. Now, I don't, I'm kind of torn on this. I don't know if those pastors who had those moral failures should necessarily, necessarily be pastors anymore. But at the same time, I think Paul was pretty awful. Uh, he was Saul, you know, at the time, and he persecuted Christians for a long time. He did some terrible things to Christians, uh, but he came to Christ, repented and changed his way and became a major contrib- contributor into the, to the growth of the overall church. And obviously he was a prominent author to many books in the Bible. So ask who's worse, like Saul or Carl Wentz or Brian Houston or any of those any pastors that made some moral failures, bad decisions, big mistakes, that, that time of thing. Um, I'm not going to be the one to cast blame, cast judgment and say one was worse than the other. Can God still use those people regardless of what they did? I think so. Um, should we condemn them from now on forever? No, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And then they ask, do they deserve a second chance in ministry? I don't know. Maybe they do. I, I don't know. I, I put myself in their shoes, though, while watching it, and I kept thinking, how did they let it get to this point with their behaviors? Now, it's hard for me to really understand because I've never had that power or influence that they had, but when you accept that position as pastor, just like in First Peter 5, 2, 3 says, you, you've got to be an example to the flock. And how could you be someone who is an example if I am two different people, right? You have the person that's on stage telling everybody how to live, what to do, what scripture says. Then you have that a second person that's off stage that's dabbling in sin um, and trying to gain power and influence and kind of doing things the wrong way and making moral failures. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to, to understand. And, uh, I, I do know that Hillsong still has amazing songs that I like and I believe can still bring people closer to God. I know I want to continue singing some of those songs and using them for worship. Um, but but actually, when we talk about the, the Hillsong issue, there was a movie that they put out a few years ago called Let Hope Rise. And I was really excited about it, right? Because it all centered around the music and the band and the tours and stuff. And, and that that movie that they put out actually damaged my my view of Hillsong more than these documentaries. I mean, 
don't get me wrong, the stuff that these pastors did were bad. They were bad. It's, there's no defending it. But um, in this movie that showed all these tours and how wildly successful the band was, and uh, the band is broke, like the musicians. Not the main guy, Joel Houston, but the other guys, they are like struggling to make rent. I'm like, can we take care of our band members? Can we take care of the people that are touring and all that? So I was just kind of like, that's, I don't like that. Now, I also said, if Hillsong came to me today, hey, could you uh, do an album with me? I'd be like, yes. And they'd be like, well, we're not going to pay you. I'll still do it because that way I can, that's a stepping stone, right? Not for um, selfish gain, like, but to, to kind of increase visibility for, for what um, I can do in my region, right? That, that kind of thing. But um, when it comes to being a pastor and, and, and living up to this scripture, like I said, we're doing it because we're willing, not because we have to. We're not trying to be dishonest. And, and, and when it comes to because we're willing, Every church has some people that are uh, need a little extra grace and care and patience. And so it's not the easiest thing to, to be a pastor because you have a lot of problems that you got to deal with that you're like, what, is this really a problem we need to, to, to go through right now? Yeah, apparently it is. So, um, but God has entrusted us to lead this flock. And I find that to be a privilege and a responsibility and something that we should take seriously. So hopefully this made some sense and you got something out of it. And if you did, please share it. Uh, if you don't, uh, still share it and be like, hey, check out what this rambling bozo said or whatever. I don't know. But you have a good week and I will see you next time.